Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Doc Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe, and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you want to get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours, and more to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoccom forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoccom and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And if in your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SAS Revolution show to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SAS tribe and thrive with the SAS Doc Founder membership. I am reflecting on the importance of culture for companies like for a long time. Even since I built the first company in 2005, you know, my first uh, desire was to build a company where I would like to work for myself as an employee, not necessarily as a founder. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Well, Daniel, thank you uh, so much for being here today. And uh, congratulations again on the, the success of uh, UiPath. It's truly an inspirational story. Just before we dive into the, the story of the company, Tell us a bit more about your personal journey from communism to coding and entrepreneurship. That sounds the opposite of boring. So tell us a bit more uh, about your life. Thank you, Philippe. And uh, first of all, it is a great pleasure to be here with uh, you and Carl. I have the honor to call both of you friends. And this is one of my highest achievements. In terms of my uh, path, I was more, my first passion was more like liberal arts. I dreamt of becoming a writer. And uh, that was a bit supported in communist Romania. I was uh, almost 18 when the communists in Romania. And until then, uh, we had, you know, like only two hours of television a day. And of uh, these two hours, you know, mostly were about uh, the progress of communism and our, you know, great dictator. So it wasn't so much fun. So most of my time I spent, you know, playing football outside and reading. But, uh, you know, everybody in communist country should uh, become an engineer. That was the only kind of uh, decent profession that you can aspire to have. So everybody was into learning math, science, and I found the math quite easy for me. It was mostly like solving a puzzle. So it was uh, natural to go to the university and study math. And I also have chosen to study computer science, but it was mostly, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have a computer. I've become a, a bridge player and I was pretty good. I was even for well, a while playing like professional tournaments. So I, um, I met a friend from college, so we chatted, 
And uh, this guy told me he got the job as a program. I have asked him, so how much money do you make? And he said like $300 a month. And I was shocked, but how much? Because I used to live like $30 a month. So I said to myself, well, this is, uh, this is something great. I shall start uh, really making an advantage of the university, I'm thinking. And that summer I borrowed a book and uh, C++ programming. And it was like, uh, you know, Xerox book. It was not the real book because I didn't have the money. Other people didn't have the money to buy, you know, such a big book. And I, I, I was reading that book more like, uh, you know, out of passion, without having a computer together. My first computer I got when I was almost, uh, when I moved to US, but I'll get to that. So I, I read this book and uh, end of the summer, I went to an interview and to my surprise, the guy just died. And so it was just a simple discussion. Then I, you know, I was uh, into forms. I, uh, I finished my college only because my mom insisted to finish my college. Otherwise, I had no intention to finish, but I, I made a pleasure to her. And it helped me because when it was about to go to US, Microsoft made me a job offer, and uh, the only way was to get to using an agent visa without having the degree cannot get an h1b visa so it was you know another part of my luck i went to i went to work for microsoft i worked for five years between like uh, 2000 and 2005 i was never uh, i was never uh, not because of technology or because the many factors climate maybe it was a cultural shock for me to go from, you know, the book into the very well ordered northwest of US. And, uh, you know, at some point I, I made the decision I shall uh, start my own thing, try to do something, and I moved back to Romania. Is, uh, in 2005, Romania was not even part of the European Union. So it was kind of a very it was a very stupid decision. I hated it for the next 10 years. Because I gave up a peaceful life, good salary, to just live day by day with the uncertainty. We have integrated salaries. We're not feeling that you you are progressing. I, I was lucky to hire a few people that stayed me for as long as even today. But, and we were building technology, but we are not able to sell it. We we knew that there is something good there. The worst thing is to just see if you make enough to not die. This is this is really worse than dying. But, uh, you know, after that, like 2015, when uh, we finally got uh, our market, we had product market fit, everything changed. This is why I guess I'm here today. Hi, Daniel. It's great to be with you and Philippe here today. Uh, thank you for having me. You know, Daniel, we often think of startups as overnight successes, but I think we also know there's a lot more to the story. Can you share with us any crucible moments or pivots early that really changed the course of UiPath and the journey you're on today? 
Yeah, so it's been a lot during these 10 years that I mentioned before. First of all, we uh, I bootstrapped the company using uh, doing consulting work, and that takes a lot of your time. But I always dreamt of building a product. So the first product that we built was uh, a very simple tool that would allow you to just, uh, you know, long click on every word that you see on your computer screen, and then we'll go to do offer a pop-up to search on Google or search the definition or something like this. It was uh, it was neat and simple, but uh, of course it was a flop from marketing standpoint. I didn't know anything about marketing. About it was my first foray into Google AdWords. You know how should I write? And it's it's a big lesson to me and maybe for some other entrepreneurs. I thought so much about the product, the long list of features, and I couldn't understand how can I fit my product that I love and that I'm passionate about in like three sentences each, like 30 characters. But it was the first big lesson that you have to be able to focus, synthesize. So anyway, the product was a flop, but we were lucky to get the attention of a small software firm from uh, United States that saw the product and understand the power of our technology behind the scene. The technology that was able to look at the computer screen and detect all the words on the computer, 100% accuracy position and everything. And they used, they used it to, to build an early integration between some banking systems. And, you know, funny story. I, uh, they asked me, we want a license. And I thought, how much can I ask? And I, I asked them $10,000 for kind of, it was like an unlimited license or anything. And I was surprised that next day they basically wired the money without any negotiation. From the former product, we made like $200 all in its uh, entire life. So I said, wow, that's, uh, we have to pivot and we have to go and build this library behind the scene. So that was the, we switched to an OEM model. So we built for like five, six years, this computer vision library that allows, you know, other software to really see the computer screen and interact with it. And, uh, you know, we built and built, but it was a lifestyle business. I think we were making like 200,000 per year or something similar. We were like five people. It was not, something that you like. I, I was in the position where I felt we are ruin, I'm ruining my career, I'm ruining other people's life. We are just pursuing a stupid dream. It's, nev it's never gonna work. And uh, we, um, we also built a nice tool that is now called UiPath Studio that allows, you know, more of a business user to basically code an integration between systems using our computer vision technology. And uh, it, again, no success. But we had a company based out of India, a PPO company that came to us saying, guys, we, we would like to explore more with your tool. So I went into a discussion with them and they asked me something, uh, how do you compare with uh, Blue Prism? I said, I don't know who Blue Prism are. Let me search on the internet. So it was the first time when I discovered the name of one of our biggest competitors. I didn't, I didn't know anything about this space. So 
again, we, we were focusing on building technology, but without understanding the customer pay. And that was the moment when we understood this is the big, this is a big market. That first customer helped us to understand better the market. We start to build a product. And we, I think we started a very accelerated journey. That was around October 2013. If we missed a year or two and continue, you know, on our path without understanding the market, we were toasted today. We, we would have been just a small player acquired by someone like Microsoft or whatever. I'm sure about it. So that was essential. This timing was essential. So, you know, that I think that's the best answer to your question. That moment was the most seminal moment that I can ever imagine about, uh, you know, the birth of this company. Well, from there, I mean, the, the company had, you know, an incredible growth. And um, one thing that I found really remarkable in, in the UiPath journey was really your ability, Daniel, to do things that a lot of people think are not doable. You know, I remember in, uh, you know, in 2017, right after Axel invested in the Series A, we talked about the budgets uh, for the coming year, and you wanted to expand at the same time in the Europe, US, India, and Japan. I mean, many companies find it very hard just to go from Europe to the US, and you wanted to expand globally at the same time. So tell us, Daniel, what made you think at the time that this was possible, and how did you make this happen? I think uh, it helped that we've built this technology in a small country without uh, a local market. We never sold on our local market, so we always sold across the world. So I was not really afraid of talking with people in different cultures. I, you know, I, I really entertained it. And, uh, you know, we, we knew at that point that we are number three in the, in, in the market. And I also know, you know, from many lessons from history that, you know, number one takes the lion's share always. So to me, I, I felt the market is big enough. And so the market, with, we were in, a, we were really in a pool market, sucking, you know, all the companies there without even without doing anything. We had so many inbound requests, we couldn't even count. It. I think we, we left on the table really many, many great companies. We didn't have enough, uh, enough processing uh, power to enough people to be able to deal with them. So at that moment, I know that this is our chance to get in front of the competition. And then we, and I, I never wanted to build a mediocre, an average company. I, I, I said, this is, you know, we, we've been through a lot of hardship, 10 years. This is our moment. We are not just going to settle for a few millions and call it a day. We will build a great company. And I, uh, I knew that in order to build this great company, we need to to get certain velocity. And it was a big bet because we know that a bet like this is going on the opposite direction. The company is toasted. You get no funding, you burn money, everything is done. But if the bet is correct, then you win in a big market. And our bet was correct two years in a row. And the third year was not quite a success because in 19 trying to replicate it we faced you know 
of a saturation in the market. So the market was more of a push market than a pull market. But we had enough investment and we have enough, uh, you know, rigor to be able to succeed and pass through bad times. Thanks for sharing that, Daniel. Let's shift gears just slightly. Uh, you mentioned the word culture earlier. And one of the things that, uh, you know, we were always impressed with about you, uh, specifically, Daniel, was your leadership and your maniacal focus on culture. In fact, I can't remember a board meeting where you didn't spend a significant amount of your time talking about the culture of the company and the continued evolution of that culture as you've gotten bigger. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the culture you've created at UiPath and how your own leadership style has had to change as the company scaled to maintain what is, uh, I would describe, a very strong culture? I am reflecting on uh, the importance of culture for companies' life for a long time. Even since I built the first company in 2005, you know, my first uh, desire was to build a company where I would like to work for myself as an employee, not necessarily as a founder. And it helped. Back then, when I came to Romania, it was no company in Romania that I wished to work for. And with this, and initially, you know, well, startups don't have a culture. A company that has 10, 20 people, you know, make full of themselves calling what they have a culture. What they have, it's a group of friends that go to a bar together. That group doesn't necessarily have a culture. They, they enjoy being together. But as you scale, you, you, you need to start to crystallize who you are, what makes you successful, what makes the cohesion of this group. And we went first to trying to define our culture. We studied Netflix slides, which is an important work, you know, from Silicon Valley on culture. We tried to incorporate ideas there, to build a meritocracy, to, and uh, to, we started to define us in a way. And when you go to this exercise, what are our values or behaviors or whatever that we want to define us, people come with many things. Like we, we have an open culture from the beginning. We are very transparent, very direct. We pressure honesty. And you will, you will end up with the long list. And it was a moment when I had an inspiration to say, hey, let's define our culture by one single value. If we have to pick one, what is our most important value? And, uh, you know, again, upon uh, reflection, I am thinking of my own way and uh, my own development and thinking of our competitors that are always they were considered arrogant by even by our customers. I, I, I realized that maybe even for a company, but also for a human being, the highest achievement is humility. So that, that was the moment when it was really the starting of defining our culture, putting humility in the center of our culture. And this is a very powerful concept. Humility gives you the power to listen to others, the power to change your opinion. It makes you be unbiased. You know, 
make yourself more like a judge. And I think, you know, to answer your question about my leadership style, this is one of the things that I am always looking for. How can I be more, uh, how should, I want to always be unbiased. I want to always have the best idea win. So that's the power of humility. But again, I don't want you to understand that we are humble people because that's against being humble. To me, humility is the framework of mind. If you are able to use it in your decision-making, in your communication process, that helps you becoming better. So humility is an aspiration, it's framework, it helps you really decision-making process, behavior to others, and you should always be aware. It's also like a must. You have to always train. It's not like I talk once, okay, we are all humble at the end of the culture. This is a continuous journey. It never stops. Well, thanks, Daniel. Very interesting to see how the, the culture really helped a lot the company in the way the approach is saying. Uh, I see that the, the timer is off, so just maybe one last question to, to close the panel before we open it up to the audience. If you had one single piece of advice to give to the young founder uh, in the audience who are aspiring to be what uh, what you are, uh, what would that advice be? Be perseverant. You know, don't don't stop. And if you have a, a safety parachute, don't use it. To me, the biggest uh, advantage, but also the biggest source of pain, was that. I didn't have a golden parachute. I didn't have anything. So I just had to go and continue. But perseverance, in my opinion, is the is the most important quality. You know? Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Carl. Uh, I think now we're uh, ready to move to the, the questions from the audience. Ah. Thank you for your patience, Philippe, Carl, and Daniel. There appears to have been a problem uh, with my mic. I was just saying, it's going to be very hard for me to tell my kids to go to college now, Daniel. They'll say that man would have had a deck of corn four years <laughs> earlier if he'd, if he'd skipped college. <laughs> One question for you, because we're running slightly over. Um, you know, uh, UiPath, I know one of the missions, one of its stated missions is to democratize um, or a PA. And of course, the massive productivity gains one can get in the enterprise are obvious. What does, um, what does UiPath do to democratize that for smaller businesses or for individuals that want to learn how to uh, build programmatic automations? Well, we have started uh, very early on to offer a free online academy. We were the first RPA provider to open it. We have created uh, a large community around RPA. We started, we have like three rooms. Our people were really into it. Our, that was an essential ingredient to our early success. Free academy, free forums, building the community. Now we are uh, doing a lot more. We work with different organizations, uh, you know, the first city organization like the you know, Black Girl Code, and we sponsor different events. We are working with tons of diversity. Our academy is still free. It's, uh, to me, it's more like democratization. I mean, it's learning to uh, IPOP, one of the easiest ways to get into programming and doing something meaningful, not the typical website. 
you know, Hello World website, you can actually do something that provides value to you and to your colleagues. That's a brilliant answer, Daniel. Um, three giants, uh, Philippe Boteri, Carl Eschenbach, and Daniel Dines. Thank you so much for that brilliant conversation here at SAS Talk. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.